Good morning. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a, as we normally do, uh, I preached a sermon. I had a ceiling tile, talked about silence just a little bit, and uh, used that as an occasion just to jump into, hey, uh, sometimes we feel this way, uh, but we should keep on praying that God is good, that He is a good God, that He is better than a friend and even better than a father. That's the God that we serve. We should go on praying. Now, I have to tell you that I I left the stage that day feeling pretty good about that sermon, like, "Ah, I did pretty good today. And then I heard from some of you, Mike, you didn't really answer my question about unanswered prayer. I said, well, that's okay, because I wasn't going to answer that question. (laughs) And after some thought, I began to say to myself, well, I should probably answer that question. I should probably uh, delve into the the part of our humanity where we begin to ask God and don't get what we ask for. That sometimes when we pray, there's at least seemingly not an answer. Maybe it's for the mom who has to uh, every day pound the chest of her uh, 16-year-old son because he has cystic fibrosis, and she constantly asks that that God would deliver him from this, and, and yet there seems to be no cure. Uh, maybe, maybe it's for the kid. Uh, maybe he has some uh, deformity. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a learning disability or, or maybe it's a, a, a physical disability. But, uh, but everybody knows it. Everybody knows that, that he has this. And so he goes praying to God every night into his pillow. Lord, please, would you deliver me from this? And, and I'll believe you, and I will trust in you, and, and, and I know that you have the power, and will you do it? And he goes to bed one night, and he knows it's going to happen, and, and he wakes up the next morning only to have the same problem that he had the day before. Maybe it's, maybe it's for the marriage, and... You have been praying and you have been praying. I mean, uh, you, you could not be any more sincere, more genuine, more passionate um, to God in, in your prayers. Lord, Lord, save my marriage. Help, help this relationship to grow. Uh, may this thing that, that we have between us, may you help it to, to get better. And yet, instead of getting better, it seems to get worse. And... And we throw up our hands at God. Right? Maybe you've been there. Now, I, I have to be honest with you. I don't have all the answers. I probably have more questions than answers. But I'm thankful for Scripture. And the question that we most want to ask in those kinds of situations is, Why? Isn't it? Why? Why do I have to deal with this? Why are you not giving me the answer that I want? Uh, Why are you not responding in the timely manner that that I think is most appropriate for me? Why? 
here's the problem with that question. Scripture doesn't answer it. It's the answer that we all want. I want it. You want it. We want to know the the answer, why? Why, God? And and we can cry out to to God in that way. Why? Uh, But God doesn't answer that question. Scripture, instead of answering the question why, really moves us to the question what. What do we do now in light of where we are? What do we learn about God? What do we learn about God in the moments where He seems to be silent? And what is it that we learn about God that teaches us something about ourselves? That's the the question I want to focus in on. In the moments where God seems silent, what is it that we learn about God and what is it that we learn about us? I'm so thankful I was talking with Jed several weeks ago about this and he said, hey, have have you checked out Habakkuk? And I said, huh? And he said, check out Habakkuk. And so I began to tear through Habakkuk. He's this prophet of God. He, he, he has, uh, he's a prophet of God in Judah. And um, he's not very happy with God at the moment. In fact, he begins to ask God some serious questions. And he begins praying to God because there's injustice. I mean, and it's not the kind of injustice that's out there in the world somewhere. It's the kind of injustice that was right there in front of him. You see, the people uh, that were supposed to be the holy people, the religious people, uh, the people that were taking care of the poor, the people that were, uh, you know, uh, taking care of the temple, the people that were supposed to be worshiping God, quite frankly, weren't. And he wants to know, from God. God, when are you going to come in and clean house? When are you going to take care of this problem? And it's in the midst of that prayer, it's in the midst of that context that we begin to see what it is that silence in prayer teaches us about God and quite frankly what it teaches us about ourselves. And so this morning what we're going to see is we're going to see a God that we can trust And we're going to see about ourselves that we quite simply need to trust in Him. So open up your Bibles to Habakkuk. I know that's a mouthful. If you're looking in your pew Bible, it's page 655. It's after Nahum and before Zephaniah. Habakkuk. I know that many of you are thinking, man, I wish I would have named my child Habakkuk. Habakkuk Cahill. That has a ring, has a ring to it. Sorry, Simon, we're going to change your name. One of the things I think Habakkuk points to that we can learn about God in the moments when God seems silent is, quite frankly, uh, we have an opportunity to cry out to God. 
that God is not callous, that God hears the cries of His faithful people. If you're in Habakkuk, uh, look at chapter 1, this wonderful prayer uh, to God from Habakkuk, uh, verse 2, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict. Uh, Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. Uh, The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. You know, one of the things I think we learn about God is is just simply that, that He's listening to the cries of His people. Just reality check for everybody. God does not expect you to go through life as a spiritual robot, uh, just taking away all of your emotion. He's not saying that, uh, that now because you have come into this relationship with Him, uh, that suddenly uh, you can be emotionless. You are emotional beings. Are you aware of that? You get happy. You have joy. Uh, You are sad at some times. You are afraid at other times. Sometimes you are angry. Sometimes you are, uh, you know, scared or afraid. Sometimes you're mad. Did you know that the God that we serve created all of that? And yet sometimes in my experience in ministry, it seems as if people, when they come to God in prayer, uh, go into like holy mode. You know what I mean? Now, I I can appreciate that what we want to do when we step in uh, to the throne room of God is to to treat Him with awe and, and the power and the justice that is His, right? I can appreciate that we want to, uh, to approach with caution, if you will. But gang, God wants to hear you. And one of the things that Habakkuk just quite simply teaches us is you can bring that kind of emotion before God. Honestly and openly, are you sad? Are you angry? Are you upset? Do you you feel the emotion of Habakkuk as he's looking out and he sees injustice and he's going, hey, God. If you spend time reading through the Psalms, you'll you'll look at some different types of Psalms. Some, Some people call them laments. There are these prayers of laments before God. God, I don't understand what's going on. And they're just filled with all sorts of emotion as, as people are coming before God and laying stuff before Him and going, hey, what about this? One of the things we learn about God, even when it feels like He is silent from Habakkuk, is... God is not callous. And He would have you bring your emotion before Him. He created it. 
You can be emotional before the God of the universe, and it's okay. Something else that Habakkuk teaches us about God in moments when it feels like God is is silent is that sometimes God does respond to prayer. And sometimes when God responds to prayer, it's not in a way that we want. Uh, that sometimes God responds to prayer in a way that, that we don't even like. Uh, look with me. Look at the, the very first part of that next section. Uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Here is Habakkuk. He's going, God, what are you going to do about this? There's injustice. This is wrong. When are you going to show up? When are you going to fix this? Notice verse 5. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I mean, can you feel, can, can you feel Habakkuk start to get excited? Oh, God's going to get him. I can't wait. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Oh, and he's going to tell him. Are you guys excited yet? I mean, this is pretty exciting stuff. Like he cries out to God and God is responding Good news, here's the twist. Verse 6, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetus people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, dwelling places not their own. Uh, 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 wait, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Time out. Do you feel the emotion? God says, I am going to answer you, Habakkuk. I'm going to give you an answer. It's just not the one that you are looking for. Here's what he says. He says, hey, hey, all those people, all that injustice that you are having to deal with right now, all of that, I am going to bring in a foreign army. I'm going to bring in that foreign army that everybody knows about, that nasty one. Uh, you know those people that uh, they go and they, they, they pillage every village that they go to? Yeah, that army, all those people, they're going to come in and take care of the problem. You, you think that was what Habakkuk was hoping for? Of course not. I began to think, okay, what are the occasions, what are the scenarios in my own life, in your life, in which perhaps God gives us a response that we weren't ready for? That God sometimes acts in ways that, that are contrary to the way that we wanted the prayer to go. Perhaps you, you have known a, a, a drug addict or an addict of some kind over, over, your, over your lifetime. And maybe you have been on your face, you have been on your knees consistently for this person. Lord, Lord deliver them from it. Deliver them from it. And it just seems to get worse and they, and they don't get better. And, and, and you're wondering if you should give up, but you, you have enough faith uh, you're just like, I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep praying. I'm going to pray that the situation gets better and that they come home and they're not addicted to drugs anymore or not addicted to alcohol or whatever they're addicted to. And it doesn't seem to be working. And, and, and then God says, okay, okay, 
I'm going to use what you don't expect to bring them back to me. So maybe the addict, maybe he does something really, really dumb. He, he, because he needs another fix, he goes and he tries to rob someone, and in the process of being robbed, he ends up in jail. But because he's in jail, he finds a chaplain, and that chaplain begins to plant in his heart and in his mind the fact that he needs to come uh, and be in a partnership with Jesus, in a relationship with Him again. And so he ends up in a rehab facility uh, that has a Christian bent. And and God says, I tell you what, I'm not going to deliver him from drugs tomorrow, uh, but I'm going to make sure that he gets caught, that he has to deal with some consequences, and eventually he's going to come back. Uh, Maybe maybe it's, it's something like, maybe you're praying for your son or your daughter. And your, your son or your daughter, they just keep making bad choices. And you're praying, look, God, I'm praying that they make right choices. Let them make right choices today. Let them make right choices today. And, and it seems like every day that goes by, they just keep making bad choices. And God, maybe he, he confides in you and he says, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to bring your daughter back to you, but she's going to be pregnant. Is that what you were asking for? You see, her, her friends, uh, they may will, will have wanted her uh, to go and get an abortion, But she says, no, I can't do that. And so as she begins to evaluate her life and this new pregnancy, God's going to use that to bring her back. Sometimes, maybe even more often than we want, what we learn about God is that God is not confined by us. Uh, That God can act however God wants to bring about His plan. Uh, You see, God was acting uh, with Habakkuk and his prayer, and and the Babylonians as evil and as unjust as they were, uh, so that He would bring His people back into relationship with Him. And so perhaps, perhaps it's, that God is answering prayers, He is just not doing it the way we wanted or the way we expected. What else do we learn about God? We learn that, that God oftentimes does not move under the timetable that we want Him to move. And we have to learn to wait. Look at the very beginning of chapter 2. After hearing about 
all the, the Babylonians are going to come and do. After hearing about the, this crazy scheme that God has put together to, to have an unjust Gentile nation come in and bring His people eventually back to Himself, uh, He comes, verse 1 of chapter 2, I will stand at my watch, Habakkuk says, and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what He will say to me and what answer I'm going to give to this complaint. And then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on the tablets so that a herald may run with it, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Now, in Habakkuk's time, what that's going to look like, he says, hey, uh, I don't want you to worry. I'm going to bring the Babylonians and I'm going to use them as a tool. I'm going to use them as a tool to bring my people back to myself. I'm going to answer your prayer in a way that you didn't expect, but I'm going to get back at them. Don't worry. Their injustice will be taken care of. I will take care of the Babylonians. I will make sure that they get their just." But perhaps you and I, as we pray, will have to learn to wait on God. It seems interesting to me that we will wait for all sorts of, t- all sorts of things if we're confident about the end. Right? Like, if we go to a concert, if we have to like, it, you know, I have a confession to make. Are you ready for this? I am a huge Neil Diamond fan. It's true. I admit it. And Neil Diamond is coming to Omaha. I want to go to that concert so badly. If someone said, Mike, will you wait two hours in line so that you could have two free Neil Diamond tickets? I would be like, sign me up. Why? Why would I wait two hours? I mean, I would probably wait in the rain to get those two tickets. Why would I do that? Because I want to go to the concert. The the end seems sure. All I have to do is wait and and I will find that, uh, that, that there is something of great joy at the end of the tunnel. If I take my kids to Disneyland or an amusement park, I will wait and this has happened. I will wait, and it's hot, and it's humid, and I'm sweating. I have no drink, right? It's uncomfortable. But I will wait for hours just to go on a 20-second ride because I'm there with my kid and they want to go. Why do I wait? Because the end seems sure. I want to wait for that. We wait for all sorts of things. If a friend says, hey, um, you're going to have to wait 20 minutes before we can go on this big trip. We're going to wait. We will wait. Why? Because we want to be with our friend when we go. And maybe... What God is doing 
in our prayers is He is giving our faith an opportunity to grow. Because it's placed in a patch of ground of uncertainty and we have an opportunity to wait so that we can trust in Him. Sometimes the timetable for what God is doing, we just simply have to wait. You see, prayer... Prayer is not a magic bullet. There's no magic formula. I mean, I would love to tell you that there is, there is a magic formula for you. Uh, that if you do five things, that all of your prayers will be answered. I would love to tell you that. I would love to tell you that there is a top ten list of things that everyone must do in prayer and then all of your prayers will be answered. But that would be a lie. Prayer is not magic. You could be the smartest person in this room and sometimes your prayers will be answered and sometimes they won't be, at least in the time that you want them to be. You could be the most spiritual person in this room. You could be the most righteous person in this room. And sometimes how God goes about answering your prayers will be inconceivable. It won't seem to make sense in the timetable that you've been given. And so God is giving our faith an opportunity to rest and wait We learn that, that God is giving us an opportunity to wait on Him. Prayer can be messy. Can you imagine if God just gave us everything that we ask for? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that kind of God? I recently read about criminals that they begin praying because they think they're going to get caught. Imagine if God responded to all of those prayers. He would be an accessory to crime. Wouldn't He? And here's the thing. I'm not sure I would want to come and praise and worship a God who has to obey me. And so what we learn about God is that sometimes His timetable and the way He moves and acts is different than our own. And we may be forced to wait. <laughs> Habakkuk comes to the conclusion that you and I have to come to. It's the hard one. It's a hard hill to climb. But at the end of Habakkuk, we find that that Habakkuk has to come to a, a realization that God is God and I am not. And that he must trust Him. That God is the King of the universe and, and Habakkuk is not and he has to trust Him. And this is hard. Look at chapter 3 and notice where Habakkuk finally lands as he wrestles with God. 
Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the field... Fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer, and He enables me to go on the heights. Habakkuk finally comes through all of this and says, okay, I guess you're God. And I'm not. You're the one who moved the mountains. You're the one who set the stars into place. You're the one who knows all things right now. And I guess I, guess I need to trust you. C.S. Lewis very famously in his Chronicles of Narnia said, God is not tame. You see, we don't control God, and so we must learn to trust Him. This is faith in action, isn't it? Uh, Where we come day by day and begin in all circumstances to say, I don't know what's going on, I don't know why God is allowing this, but I will trust in Him. Because I will trust in Him more than I trust in the feelings that I feel right now. I picked this up this last week. It's uh, by a guy uh, by the name of John Bale, and he wrote this. I thought, wow. In the circumstances that we have, in the way that we pray, are we expecting, are we expecting that our prayers should only have results? Or, or, Do we pray so that we might have a partnership and a companionship and a relationship with God? Do you see the difference? You see, sometimes we get caught into the trap of thinking that prayer is only about results. God, give. I love you. I want to talk to you because you have really cool stuff. It's like going to the rich uncle over and over again. Why is it that I want to be friendly with my rich uncle? Well, well, because when he dies, maybe he'll give something to me. And if we're not careful, we will approach God in the very same way. God, I'm praying to you so that I might get the results that I want. Rather than seeking companionship and a partnership and a relationship with you, I, that in all circumstances, I will learn to trust you. Here's what John Bale says. Have you experienced disappointment? May it be material for patience. If I, if I experience success, may it be material for gratitude. If I experience trouble, may it be material for perseverance. If I experience danger, may it be material for courage. If I experience pain, may it be material for endurance. If I experience hardship, may it be material for character. If I experience illness, may it be a material for trust. 
I, I hate to say it. I, I know, I'm sure, uh, that someone out there is saying, that's it. There's no more. I want more. I, 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 need, I need an answer. I, I need something more concrete. The, the most concrete answer I can find in all of Scripture is that we must learn to trust that God is God and we are not. This last week, March 8th, 2017, it was almost 11 o'clock at night, we had gone to bed, and I woke up to my lovely bride having a seizure. Now, I can't even believe those words just came out of my mouth. Many of you prayed with us. You sent cards and texts and uh, all sorts of different things, and we are so thankful. Uh, several of you in your prayers uh, over the phone and otherwise said, Lord, may this be the only time. And here I am. I'm trying to get ready for a sermon on prayer, you know. And I have to be honest with you. I have to think, what if it's not the only time? What if it happens many times? What if it happens today? What if it happens tomorrow? What if it happens next week? What if it happens regularly from here on out? Will I pray that it stops? <laughs> yeah. But in the end, I must trust that God is God and I am not. And I must be faithful. What do we do when God seems silent? We trust Him. Let's pray. Lord, I love You. I thank You for the words that You've given us. Lord, unanswered prayer is hard. It wrecks us in many ways. We don't know your plans. We don't know all of your mysteries. We don't know all you know. So I pray with all of my being that we will trust you. That whatever the circumstance might be, our faith will grow. Father, work in the silence to teach us something about you and to teach us something about us. 
Help, Lord. Help us. Grow our faith. I pray it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.